Hey Rippers, are you learning how to surf? But are you a kook or not? That's the question. There's many things you can do to receive that label. So stay tuned in, because Coach Evan and I are going to be talking about some surfing misconceptions regarding reading surfing forecasts. If you've ever kooked it, or just like to laugh when other people do, stick around. This podcast is just for you. If you don't know by now, us surfers love to spot a kook. But don't stress it, because we all kook it at some point. So hang on to your swimmies and get ready to learn. The KookCast is here to lead you on your journey out of kookdom, one episode at a time. And hopefully, offer you some traction on this slippery slope between kookery and killing it. I'm your host, Coach Chris. What's happening, kooks? Coach Evan checking in. Yee! And we started the surf coaching and education program, the Surf Continuum. All right, let's get into it. We're going to be talking about uh, one of my favorite surfing misconceptions that beginner surfers love to jump on, jump all over. (laughs) They're on it. They know the reports. They know the surf, what it's going to be like. And I guess so we titled today's uh, Red Means Bad, Green Means Go. So uh, I guess, let's see, what's the first aspect of this misconception, Coach Ev? Um, thinking that you're a surf forecaster in the first place <laughs> and not having a damn clue, you know? You really need, it needs to come from a real understanding of the spots and, you know, the, the local, you know, how things go, what, what winds are good and what times are good and tides and crowds and the, the whole thing. I think it just, it takes a lot longer to actually have a grasp on this than most people think. Yeah, it's so true. And um, I mean, how often have you heard it? Even even from pretty decent surfers who are fully aware that the variables for conditions are endless will say something like, oh, tomorrow's green. <laughs> and I always get a good snicker. Me and, me and Coach Ev always get a glance at each other when we hear that together and just have a giggle. Um, because it's just such a dumbed down way of taking such a complex environment and trying to understand it. You know, I mean, what do they have? Red, blue, and green? Is that is that the levels? Yeah, of yeah, I think so. Right, and then but then you know the way they even implement when it's red, blue, or green is is even questionable to us at some time. So that's what we want to cover today. Right. Um, how how you can at least supplement the colors with real information and start truly understanding what you're looking at and and what you're trying to read when you're looking at your surf forecast so um yeah but basically number one point is just keep in mind when it's green when you see one of those days where the the line jumps up and it's green all day or green in the morning you're gonna be surfing with crowds because you are not the only one in fact you're among the masses that go surfing when they see green conditions everybody's everybody's getting their gear together when it's green conditions, you know, and, and there's, there's way around, there's ways around that, you know, and even, of course, it's great if it's green, you know, like, yeah, you probably should go surfing too, but don't discount it if it's any other color, you know, and really start, really start figuring it out. Right. I guess that's the main point then is, of course, you know, if it's green, I mean, in most cases, we're going to agree that it's going to be good conditions. They usually call in green conditions when it's offshore winds, and that is a good thing. Um, but keep in mind that that whole, you know, the rest of the surfing population that doesn't know what they're doing is going to be out there too. So I like what you said. So not writing off the other colors, the other parts of the day, or when it starts turning blue or red, or, you know, as soon as that green turns to red at 12 p.m., not going like, oh, I can't surf then can't surf after that yeah because you know like how how accurate is any weather forecast 
any surf forecast. They don't know exactly, precisely when the wind's going to turn. It could be earlier than that. You know, you'll show up thinking you still got an hour to surf at 11 and the wind already turned on shore. Yeah. And again, I like, I want to kind of hit this point. I, I hate acting like the only time to surf is when it's green conditions. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be surfing when it goes on shore. You know, it can still be totally fun and less crowded. But the point is that you can't just go so scientifically against a red blue green forecast and the exact hours that they change from green to red or vice versa right so um yeah looking uh you know looking for green you know you're going to be surfing with the crowds yeah as me- and and you might have to really think outside the box and go surf you know not the most popular spot on a green day yeah you know maybe it's going to be a foot smaller down the way but then you're going to be surfing with a ha- half the crowd. And, and a lot of times that's worth it, I would say, for most surfers. Totally. I, you know, and even in my case, you know, I, I personally would prefer to surf with less people. It's about, you know, I, I mean, wave quality for sure, but wave count. You know, if you're trying to practice surfing, this is not like snowboarding or skateboarding. Where you can just keep dropping in the pipe one after the other, day after day. Like, you have limited amount of time when there's waves to get your waves and get out. So if you're surfing with a crowd and you fully are aware that you have, you know, a certain amount of time before conditions turn or something, it's frustrating when you start having to sacrifice wave after wave to surfers who are a little better and taking off deeper, you know, and just getting all the waves basically. Yeah. So, you know, you got to find your ways to uh, get your wave count in by, well, uh, coach Evan just said it really nicely, you know, surf down the beach away from the crowd. And, uh, you know, sacrifice a little wave quality or wave size or whatever it may be to be with a few less people. Yeah, get more waves. Um, all right, uh, another point that we want to make is the idea of false reds. And I kind of like that. I like false reds. It's, it's, a, it's a clever way of saying that when the forecast is red, it's not always actually going to be bad conditions. Uh, again, you have to know the details of what you're looking at. Onshore wind is not really bad, especially if it's only going to be a few miles per hour. You know, under five, even under ten is totally reasonable. Mm -hmm. And there's plenty of great surfers who are actually looking for strong onshores because it suits the kind of surfing they want to do, whether it's aerials or just certain kind of hits or or just lumpy, all-over-the-place, peaky conditions. That's that's fun. That's fun. And it's actually, I, I think, in ways, well... In ways, it's harder to surf because it's more disorganized and you have to be an expert wave reader to be able to pick out your waves. But come the takeoff, come catching a wave, in a sense, it can be easier because, first of all, you have chip shots and these little wa- the wa- the parts of waves that break a little earlier than they would have otherwise because the wind's knocking them down. And that's a nice entry point for you. That's not a very steep takeoff. Mm-hmm. And uh, And then, again, the crowd thing. You know, when it's red and everyone sees it's red, so they don't even bother going to check the ocean for themselves. They just write it off. Unlike you, because now you're educated and you're going to go check the beach regardless of what the color is. <laughs> go find that kelp patty that knocks the wind down or oh, something. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a nice West Coast feature that we don't really get around here on the East Coast. Um, but Coach Evan, being from California, knows all about that. Tell us a little bit about how that works. Uh, yeah, like a, a massive kelp patty just like... It, it sticks out of the water a tiny bit, so it kind of it knocks down the surface wind, I believe, and just you know you can have pretty darn clean conditions on the inside of it, and then everywhere you're looking around it is like basically white capping, yeah. And then on the inside, it's like 
it's it's much much better and much smoother surface area so now didn't a lot of those kelp patties kind of get wiped away by one of the hurricanes or something like that yeah i mean it, it has to do with with everything i think um water quality and and um like water temperature mm -hmm. i think has has killed off like a lot of kelp forests like you know they just they're they're attached down to the sea floor and you know either massive storms will rip them up or water you know too warm water or something uh i know that that's that's a huge issue so yeah you guys are kind of trying to grow them back or i mean not trying but they take quite a while no yeah i'm not i'm not an expert on it but um i know there's some places like up north where they're trying to you know they wish they could get rid of it like the bull kelp in a lot of a lot of surf spots like it's it's impassable it's it's unsurfable oh it's all the way like into the line of the inside oh, yeah oh, and yeah. it's so strong that it, it 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 can withstand like real storms and real huge ground swells um and it can it can kind of stifle your fun you know i think some of the locals were like diving down with their mask and like you know cutting mm. some free but it's just too much. Oh, that's a losing it's, battle. It's too much. Uh, and it's creepy. So, um, you know, staying in the topic of false reds, we also have, um, you know, the you have to know your spots, okay? And you, you got to know your coast. Get Open up your maps, get some charts, uh, or take a look on Google Earth and look at the exact degrees that your coast points. You know, like rarely do you ever just point due south. Well, not rarely, but what I'm saying is there's 360 degrees on the compass, you know, so the chances that you're pointing 90 degrees due south or due east is is slim. So what I'm getting at here is that the wind doesn't also come from one specific direction either, even though we call it southeast or northeast or this and that. There are conditions where the forecast may say, oh, that's side shore. But really, if you look at what, say, a northeast wind is to a south facing coast, that's sort of semi offshore, you know, and it's not necessarily a bad wind. And so in the case of where, where we are, where I live now, um, there's a certain wind that always, always gets called red on the conditions. And I battle this with my students all the time. I always have to remind them, guys, remember we're reading the, the wind directions, not the colors of the forecast, but there's this particular wind direction and I always dread it because when it shows up, I know it's gonna be red, but I also know that there's a strong chance it's gonna be pretty well groomed and offshore. Yeah. And everyone's like, no, oh, I don't wanna surf. It looks like it's gonna be bad conditions, da 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 da. And I'm, oh, endlessly fighting with people about how to understand how the forecast and how the conditions work and um, just basically getting into the details of it. You know? Yeah, and depending on where where you are, you know, if you're on an island and it's completely offshore on one side, then it's going to be offshore on the other. So onshore? When, yeah. yeah, yeah. If it's completely onshore on one side, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be turning you know, offshore on the other side and, and vice versa, like little, little nooks and crannies in the coast that that are just known for turning a bad, bad wind into a totally surfable wind. Right, right. And that's kind of getting into the next point. Um, but before we go there, so just, yeah, so, you know, start to know where you surf and exactly which direction your beach faces to the degree. You know, get out some parallels and carry it over to your compass rows and find out, like, you know, where, which direction you face, or if you don't want to be that detailed, I, I like to get really accurate about that kind of stuff, but 
you, you just like, so for example, I'm on Long Island. Long Island is not facing south, actually. Even though we have some barrier islands that do face south, parts of Long Island are canted a little bit towards the east. Um, so in the case of like a west wind or a west-northwest wind, when that doesn't seem like it's going to be offshore, actually it very well can be because um, just because the island is not dead facing south. So west-northwest winds... Oh man, am I getting too uh, detailed here for people? <laughs> well, I'll try. For those of you out there who really like to dig into this stuff, you'll, you know, you'll enjoy that. But um, everybody else, you can just kind of glaze over it. Just the moral of the story is: know the direction your beach faces, and then know what range of winds accepts or, or, or is acceptable and is offshore there, um, so that you can uh, maximize your surf days. And and you really just have to do it by going to the beach and checking. You know, they call for this wind, go down to the beach and see what that looks like on the ocean. They call for that wind again, go down to the beach and see how it looks. You just got to keep... Make a little like journal, like a stinker's journal. Totally. From, from how we do it down in Baja. Like every day, write a little when you're on a surf trip or when when you're getting to surf day after day after day on a good swell and the, the swells are changing and the wind is changing, just jot a few things down so that you have a, you have a reference. That's right. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Um, So lastly, let's talk about um, green opportunities in red conditions, which is sort of like the last one, false reds, uh, but not really. Uh, And it was what you were starting to say about how, for example, if you live on an island, uh, if the wind's coming from one direction, that'll be onshore on one side and offshore on the other. Um, And you don't even have to live on an island. You just need a little coastal variation. So if if you're lucky enough to live in a place where the coast is not a ruler edge, straight line, there's just little variations. Um, You you can find little spots that actually are bending a certain way and allowing the wind to go offshore in that particular spot. Or side offshore, you know, side offshore. Yeah, just a little more acceptable than straight side shore. Yeah. Um, And, you know, we are pretty lucky. We both get to live in a, a place where there is a lot of coastal variation and um, you know so in certain conditions if there's enough swell we can change spots and and find places where the conditions are 180 degrees different Um, it's it's a pretty impressive thing when you start discovering that and it makes surfing a little more exciting you know because you're not just going and checking your one spot but when you start to really map this stuff out and understand where the winds coming from and what places that means it's offshore you know, getting on the hunt and chasing it down. That's, that's exciting. I really enjoy that part of surfing. A lot more options for sure. Yeah. And yeah, so we did, we kind of started getting into that green, green opportunities in red conditions. Um, just like you were saying with the coastal variations and, and actually having a clue, um, about where to go when, when it's a certain, a certain wind direction, but what else do we have on here? Well, what about uh, like hiding from the wind? You know, there's times where perhaps um, it is side shore at a spot. You know, the wind's coming across across the side, but perhaps maybe there's cliffs or buildings at that surf spot. Or dunes. Yeah, and yeah. something to just kind of mitigate the, the wind a little bit. You know, it never really works perfectly. There's there, I've never seen an instance like we surf in front of buildings at one particular spot, and even when it's honking from behind those buildings, the wind still finds its way around and, you know, repropagates after the buildings. And it's still pretty windy, but I, I'd like to imagine that it's probably less windy than it would be if the buildings weren't there. Yep. So I don't think there's any really way to truly be out of the wind. Um, 
not around where I surf at least. Maybe maybe some of those spots that are really down a cliff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like some of those Mexican spots that we surf, you know, where they're like way, way down a cliff. Right. And and really unaffected by wind or shadow or hiding in a cove or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's always really nice too to, to be sitting there in your glassy, clean conditions and looking just past the point and seeing like white caps and wind touching the ocean out there and then and the waves just travel through it and then come into your cove and and all clean and glassy yeah so but lucky on you if you get to surf in a place like that that's that's not that's usually harder to access don't you think or i don't know i mean there's so many places in the world i I don't want to limit right right i was gonna i was thinking of like just kind of having a an open mind and and be not being too quick when you go down to the beach and say it's calling red or whatever and and it is on shore but just like don't write it off too quick like have have a good look because there could be something fun happening out there um you know even in onshore conditions the wave faces can still be pretty damn clean clean enough to go out and have some fun and go get a workout you know it's, it's like always the call is to go surfing totally you know that's that's kind of the moral of this whole story here is like don't go surfing based on what the colors say you know it's like it's so ridiculous i mean when we were growing up there weren't colored conditions you know i i don't know about you but when i grew up the way you got a surf report was you'd call up the surf shop they had like a dedicated line the surf shop i would call mm-hmm. and an answering machine it'd ring like five times and then the answering machine would pick up and you hoped that the guys in the surf shop that day went and checked the waves and recorded a new one. Yeah. You know, and that was your surf forecast from the morning, you know. Um, but anyway, now we have all these colored conditions and everyone's spoiled and they don't surf when it's red and blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> what you were saying is so true. It's like this going surfing is almost always the right call. And um, I think, you know, a mistake that a lot of beginners make is that when they look at the ocean, they see the entire seascape, especially all the white all the white water. It's like, oh, white water, white water, white water, white water. But if you're doing decent surfing or at least just basic, pretty, you know, pretty basic surfing, your goal is to be in the pocket. And so if you're looking at the ocean with your eyes focusing on the pockets, all these random places of waves that you could actually be if you were to be out there and catch those waves and surf them well, that part of the ocean is pretty clean actually. Yeah. Your, your board's only this little tiny thing. You're not surfing the whole ocean. I always say this. I don't know if it makes sense to people. You're not surfing this whole seascape that you see that looks like such a mess. You're surfing one wave and even more specifically the pocket of that wave. Mm-hmm. And very often is is it not, well, what am I trying to say? Very, very often is that pocket clean. You know, especially as the wave is lifting and starting to break, it kind of pulls itself tight like sheets, yeah. you know, like getting pulled tight. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, you just go out there and surf and <laughs> tell me that I'm right, okay? Because <laughs> when you surf in bad conditions, you have such a good time more often than not because one, surfing is fun and two, because you're not surfing the ocean the way you see it when you stand on the beach. You're surfing the wave and like I said, more specifically, the pocket. Absolutely. So aim to be there. Surf that. And put in the time on those on those shitty days Well, it's, you know, when right. there's nobody out and it's really difficult to just to go get like five decent rides you know and it's gonna take you an hour and a half to get five decent waves go out there and put in the time with mother ocean and then then maybe when the swell is clean and everything comes together then hopefully you're just you're in a better position to to capitalize that much on more it. in tune yeah yeah that's that's just so true it's like 
you know, surfers that surf green conditions don't really get better. And you know what I noticed as like the people who really wait for like those pristine, beautiful conditions, surf less in life as life goes on because their standard for good conditions gets higher and higher and higher, you right. know, and you just keep like finding a reason to write it off. Like, oh, this, oh, that, oh, the cancer, oh. And next thing you know, you're listening to people like tell you why the waves aren't good. And you're looking at them like, what are they talking about? It looks so fun out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so be careful when you talk to those surfers. Don't let them bring you down. Right. Just look at it with a, a fresh set of eyes and try actually not to listen to what other people are telling you. Get get a, a reading for yourself, you know, get your eyes on the ocean and then make make the call from there. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't know, go out and surf, you know, and, and, and find out firsthand if it was good or not. Yeah, you got nothing to lose there. Even having a terrible session still makes you a better surfer. One last thing before we uh, sign off is keep in mind that good surfers are less concerned with the conditions because they can surf any conditions. And the way they got there is by surfing bad conditions in the first place. So keep it up, get out there, keep surfing, and you'll find that the conditions become less and less of a, a, a you know, a topic or a, a thing, a consideration. An issue. Right. All right, this is another episode of the Cast. Thanks for joining us, guys. That was a blast. If, you, uh, if you're not subscribed to the show, you're kooking it. Get on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, whatever it is. I don't know how those other ones work, but I know iTunes lets you subscribe. They'll notify you when we upload a new podcast. And uh, make sure you leave some stars for us, too. We appreciate all that support. And we'll be here for you next week. Signing off. Woo!